The Black Male Archives, where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black men. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Black Male Archives. I'm your host, Rodney Freeman, and we have Gregory Walker here, Gregory T. Walker here from the Brothers Network. Sir, how are you doing today? I am doing very well, Rodney. I'm happy to be here with you this uh, this afternoon, this evening, and uh, chat a little bit with you. Yes, yes, sir. I see what you're doing in Philly, and we want just to hear about you know what you're doing there and your network and Uh, Just let the listeners know a little bit about you and your background. I'll go slow with my background because it's a long one and I'll be succinct as well. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut. I'm a third generation entrepreneur. My father was a restaurateur. He owned six restaurants and a nightclub. His name is Johnny Walker. No joke. And uh, his his father, Fred Walker, also owned a store in Boynton Beach, Florida, where my dad is from. So and now... Yeah, so now I am leading and founding the Brothers Network. Um, I've lived in New York City, in San Francisco Bay Area, in Washington, D.C., in Baltimore, and had stints in um, Atlanta and also Chicago. But now Philly is my home. Yeah, yeah. Boynton Beach, so you know, we talked a little bit about this briefly, um, that I, I was down there in Florida, but Boynton Beach... Um, what type of memories do you have going down there uh, from your childhood? <laughs> well, we we actually used to go every summer. That's the kind of family I had. We'd actually go on summer vacation to Boynton Beach and drive, which was just horrible, right? For a child yeah. to drive in the, the car with the plastic seats and the heat and there were never enough bathrooms. And, you know, um, but we got there, we had family and we had good times um, with, with my grandfather and uh, Grandma Eva his wife. So really, really good times. And my uncles as well. And my cousins. So it was really, really wonderful to see uh, growing up in New England and to see life in the South uh, as a child was, was, was quite different than what I was experiencing uh, in the suburbs of Connecticut uh, in terms of race and and ethnicity and culture. Very different. I, I, you know, I can't at all say I'm a Southerner, but I certainly had that experience of uh, being in the South during the summer. So um, really a so, fond part of my childhood. Yeah. You know, I have to, I have to ask this because you had that uh, growing up, you had that, um, you, you, you had that image of a black man owning his own business, you know, that's right. Um, w- can you speak to that a little bit, how that might've formed your mentality and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. got you, what you doing today? it's certainly a blessing. It's certainly a blessing. Yeah. And um, it also instilled in me this notion of hard work and endless work. Um, My dad never had a day off. Um, Mm. It was a restaurant that was, one was many restaurants, but they were open in the breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he was always at work and Mm. always talking about work. And Mm. he he was fearful that um, his white employees might steal from him um, at Mm. his restaurant in East Windsor. And so he would get up in the middle of the night and drive up to, to East Windsor to see if anybody was taking his meat out of the, the refrigerator or the fridge, right? Mm-hmm. And so we thought, this is insane. You know, how, how, yeah. why are you doing this, Dad? And then, of course, my dad, he caught somebody one day taking the meat. Wow. And the produce out of the refrigerator, out of the walk-in. And he woke wow. us up to tell us, I finally caught those <laughs> son of a guns. You know, I knew they were stealing from me. And uh, so it's taught me to be, you know, ever 
ever watchful and ever careful and um, never, ever, no pun intended, turning a blind eye. Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, people say they're on your team and then sometimes they're not. And, you know, the Brothers right. Network is 15 years old and we have mm-hmm. expanded with an international board uh, in Paris, France, in Edinburgh, Scotland, obviously board members here in Philadelphia, um, okay. but all across the country. And, and of course, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, which we talked about, our, our library friend, Tyrone Cannon. Yeah. So, so tell me how this, this is- tell me how this network got started. So the Brothers Network started right where we are now. Um, When I moved to Philadelphia after living in the other cities, I was struck by the lack of diversity in audiences in the arts and culture. When I had lived in Washington and New York City and, of course, in San Francisco, I saw Black people and Black men attending um, all kinds of performances, Um, opera, ballet, Black plays, a whole bunch of stuff. I would always see a good number of Black people. And when I moved to Philadelphia, I didn't see that. I didn't see Black men in attendance at the ballet or the orchestra in the ways I had seen it in, in other cities. So mm-hmm. I set out to fix that. Um, and I sort of would run up to people. I'm six foot five and I weigh 230 pounds. So when I run up to someone, they respond. They say, let's see what he has to say, right? Because they're not sure. And I'd say, hey, would you be interested, you and your wife, being interested in coming back to the ballet with me? Or would you be interested in going to another concert with me? Um, so this was sort of how I did it, right? It's organic. It's it's just old school networking, just kind of walking up to people who are at a similar event and asking if they would rejoin and come back. And so um, we did that. We, we partnered with the Philadelphia Theater Company at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was our first theater company. Um, mm-hmm. The play was written by Daniel Beatty. It was a play called Resurrection. It tells the story of uh, six black men. Uh, Daniel Beatty is yeah. an amazing playwright. And so um, we called up the theater and said, hey, we'd like to bring a group of 20 guys. And they were like, what? You know, what are yeah. you talking about? You're going to bring people to the th- 20 black men to the theater? And so we did. Um, 15 years later, we're still engaged with the Philadelphia Theater Company uh, with their wow. current production of Fireboy. Um, And we do audience development when and where we can. We also produce work. Um, The play that's at the Philadelphia Theater Company right now, Choir Boy, is written by Terrell Alvin McCraney. Okay. The Brothers Network, who you may know from Moonlight. Did you see Moonlight? Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Brilliant playwright, brilliant thinker, um, currently leading theater at Yale University. Um, We have produced his work four times. And this was before Moonlight. We were producing his work. Oh, wow. So, that's, that's awesome, man. That is yeah, really awesome. Yeah. We at the Brothers Network like to say that we are working in the artistic, curatorial, editorial ways of informing and engaging the larger community of the brilliance of Black men and really, you know, honoring their humanity in that mm-hmm. process. And playwrights, we think, and authors like James Baldwin, theorists like W.D. Du Bois are all people who are integral in mm-hmm. the foundational work of the Brothers Network, mm-hmm. and how did you get, how did you expand this network? Because from from what I understand, you're saying it's not just in Philadelphia; it's in other cities, other countries. That is correct. So, as I said, I run up to people, and I don't really use social media, but I'm a pretty good networker on my own. And okay. uh, I meet people; they find it interesting. It's not for everyone. We recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Harlem Renaissance, uh, sometimes they talk about the talented 10th or the guiding 100. And we realize that not everybody's interested in high art and high culture and theater as a way to move forward 
We recognize mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. Many people are once they learn about us and we think that niche of people is already connected to each other. Um, mm -hmm. The books that we have chosen to read by black authors, um, mm -hmm. you know, so if you're, if you're interested in reading books by black men, you would automatically mm -hmm. in some ways be a part of the Brothers Network. If you're interested mm -hmm. in going to theater other than Tyler Perry, I said it. Um, then you might be interested in, you know, attending shows produced by the Brothers Network and or mm -hmm. the kind of theater that we're talking about. Yeah, I don't mean yeah. to dis-Tyler Perry. I think that's relevant, but not 100% mm -hmm. for everybody. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So looking at, looking say like five years out, 10 years out, right? The, um, the impact... <laughs> That, we're, that we're in year 15. Okay, five years out. Okay. <laughs> hey, I know you guys been doing some good work, you know, for, for some time now, but looking at the future, I guess, where do you see the Brothers Network going to, or where do you see uh, the Brothers Network at, you know, in, in the next couple of years? You know, that's an interesting question because the world is changing as we speak. We're, there's a war going on pending perhaps uh, World yeah. War Three. who knows? Um, right. there's an economic decline, obviously, in, in, in the world. Uh, inflation mm -hmm. is rising. Um, mm -hmm. And we actually started during the 2000, 2007, 2008 economic decline. So we've been there before. We've worked yeah. through COVID with a level of success. Um, really, we're, we're happy about that. And so we are strategic in not making a longer term plan five, 10 years out because the variables are so incredibly unknown. And we right. like to work with a success mindset. So we have mm -hmm. some things planned, of course. Um, we didn't pivot towards digital because we think the in-person experience is much more powerful than digital mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. during during COVID. We just didn't do it. Um, yeah. We shared other people's content and other people's work, but we didn't do that because we think the in-person yeah. experience is, is solid. And again, because of that, we're able to have audiences come back to the theater and see shows like like Choir Boy, um, you know, yeah. watching something on, on a screen is not anywhere, in my opinion, as insightful and delightful as it is seeing it in person. So yeah. for, the five -year plan, for the five-year plan, we'll continue mm -hmm. doing the work that we're doing, continue to build our partnerships uh, yeah. locally and globally with other organizations mm -hmm. and other festivals. Um, that's the five-year plan, just to continue what we're doing. We don't yeah. have a lofty goal of of, uh, of any particular thing, but we would like to get into some more festivals uh, around the world and participate in those festivals and uh, conferences that are relevant to to our work. Yeah. And, you know, I know, you know, I'm glad you hit on that, you know, that in person because it, you you see a hunger for that right now. of People just wanting to to be able to interact with people. So I think you're on to something with just you know, staying in that lane and, and doing those in-person events. Why do you think this is so important? This work that you're doing is so important. Well, I think that uh, Black men uh, since 1619 and before 1619 have been maligned uh, in every possible way and misunderstood and misconstrued in every possible way. We right. set the record straight. We talk about the brilliance of Black men uh, from mm -hmm. the beginning of 1619 in America when when Africans, not slaves, when Africans were brought to uh, America in ships, forced in chains. These are mm -hmm. human beings. They were not slaves. Uh, many of them scholars in their own right in the countries from which they came from, in the regions in which they came from, in Benin and other places. Historical civilizations. 
And when we talk about the fact that these are human beings who are living their own life, doing their own thing, uh, with their own communities, and they were literally stolen and dehumanized. Um, and these are human beings, right? Sometimes scholars make the mistake of calling them slaves. They're not slaves. They're human beings. They're mm -hmm. people of African descent. And so we mm -hmm. start with that as our notion of uh, Black people and Black men in particular. And then we look at the systemic ways um, our this country has continued to dehumanize them. And then we see this in the modern day right now with mm -hmm. the ridiculous murders and killings of Black boys and Black men. And we want the mm -hmm. larger society to understand that we're humans. Yeah. And we have a humankind and we have families. And you see in the media, you know, when the, when the, the Black man is depicted, they go and try to tell a bad story about him as if he was, you know, a bad guy to begin with. No, he wasn't a bad guy. And none of yeah. us are bad guys. I think our influence at the Brothers Network really comes in in influencing jurors in a trial when the policeman is on trial. Because if mm. the juror who's collected from the voting public um, knows person, mm -hmm. he they'll be less likely to say the cop was right for killing him, right? If we see us right. as human, they're going to be less likely to treat us as an animal or something worse. Mm -hmm. So we, we are hopeful in our um, work to really bring the full humanity to to black men in our society and the world. Yeah, and, and you know, and I was just, and, and you you probably have already answered this question, but I want to go ahead and ask this. And it seems like that's your motivation, you know. But what is your motivation for you to keep up, you know, keep every day, you know, coming to work and doing this type of work? What what motivates you? Is it is it that? You know, to it, it is that narrative, or is it something it is, else? It, well, correcting correcting a false narrative—that's correct. Mm -hmm. Correcting a false yeah. narrative and replacing it with actual factual data, mm -hmm. um, and looking at the diverse and broad lives of, of black men uh, in this country and around the world. Again, this particular play, the Terrell Evan McCraney play, really shows a very different side of what people might think. It's about a uh, black boys at a at a black school at a black prep school. And sometimes mm -hmm. we don't think about black boys at a black prep school. Right. Um, and, you know, members of the, the, the Brothers Network have gone to prep school and a private school. Uh, yeah. some, some of them have. And we, we celebrate that as authentic and as real. And so this mm -hmm. particular play, um, you know, is really about a choir at the school and what happens and the interaction between the boys. And I mean, it is just brilliant. Um, yeah. The playwright is brilliant in his own right. But it's just a really brilliant play. And it's something that people don't think about right. black boys at a prep school and maybe there's right. a choir or something, or, you know, and this is how they, you know, there's a Harlem Glee club. There's other, but people don't really think about black boys singing in, in, in Glee clubs or in choirs in this way, in an all boys mm -hmm. environment. So yeah. really yeah. a powerful story. Right. And I remember us talking briefly before we, because we had a conversation before this and we, we talked mm -hmm. about showing different, aspects of, of of black males um i'm i'm how are you mentoring this younger generation to do the work that you're doing well you know we don't have a mentorship program per se there are many young brothers who are involved in the brothers network some of them actors some of them writers some of them performers and we don't have a formal mentorship program um, okay. I think that that's a learning and an organic process, right? To find a mentor or mentee. 
Um, we have mm-hmm. not focused on that, but I can tell you that many members of the theater community who are younger mm-hmm. have gravitated to the organization in a work that mm-hmm. we produced this past summer. Um, the, the lead actor has really been an informal mentee of mine, and I learned from him, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Uh, yeah. Jarrett Chichester uh, is really, really phenomenal as an actor and wants to learn more about acting and theater. And yeah. we we produce theater and we showcase theater and we, you know, so he's learning and, and I'm learning as well. Some yeah. other things about uh, how younger people communicate. Um, yeah. I was surprised <laughs> to hear that they learned so much from YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was so surprised to hear that, you know. Um, oh, yes. The, the play that we produced over the summer was Passover. Um, which talks about two young black men in their neighborhood and what happens to them and what their dreams and their hopes are. So again, this play Passover, which went on to Broadway in New York city um, was really a learning experience for everyone who was in the audience. Um, And again, you know, you talk about partnerships, we just continue our partnerships and expanding with theaters that want to work with us Mm -hmm. and share these kinds of stories. Um, Theater exile is who our partner was earlier this summer. And then we just produced, uh, in conjunction with Theater Exile, a play called Motherfucker with a Hat. Mm. I don't know if I can say that or not, but I just did. Okay. That's what I love about YouTube. Hey, go ahead and say it. Yeah, Motherfucker <laughs> with a Hat. So it's a, it's a play about what happens to a, a drug community and, and people who are on drugs and their process. And so when we think about drug dealer and we think about addictions, Sometimes mm-hmm. that image for many people pops up as a black man. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. play featured white males and females. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's what I thought. Interesting. Interesting. I and I and I wonder who the the reaction to the play was. What was that like? Well, it's brilliantly written and it was our yeah. <clears throat> it was the director who decided to cast it um as as white people as essential four central characters and um because we wanted to share with people a multiplicity of story that not Mm -hmm. everything around addiction or drugs or you know inappropriate behavior is centered in blackness that pain is universal Mm. Mm. and so that was our we think one of our most audacious plays our other plays have centered obviously black leads and and black characters and black stories but this mm-hmm. was a little departure just to, and the name was obviously very, uh, very controversial. So, yeah. um, but, you know, we have a long history. We, we follow in the tradition of, of August Wilson and Lloyd Richards from the Yale School of Drama. And uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're big theater fans, you know, we're big theater fans. And so we love to tell the black story through yeah. art and through literature and through theater. You know, man, this is amazing work. Can you, can you, for me, just name where you have uh, networks at? Where, where are the locations that you have them at? So, so we have, we have board members in Edinburgh, Scotland. Dr. Tommy okay. Curry, who wrote a brilliant book um, called "The Man Not" in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. in San Francisco, Dr. Tyrone Cannon, the University of San Francisco, who's an acting dean right now. Uh, yeah. This is putting me on the spot because I can't remember everyone all at once. Uh, in, 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 in Paris, Dr. Monique Wells, who was our only woman on the board um, and a scholar in her own right. And her work in Paris uh, shows and tells everyone the stories of Black people in Paris. Um, she yeah. is a dynamo in leading tours and telling those stories um, and just really an aficionado of Black art and Black culture. 
Coleman Domingo right. also serves on our board. Coleman Domingo is um, now in a new Obama produced film. Um, I, I don't know how much I can say or can't say, but uh, okay. what we see in Coleman Domingo in the spring uh, in this amazing iconic film again, advisory committee and on the board only work in spaces that continue to amplify the work that we do in telling mm-hmm. great stories about, about black men. Mm-hmm. Two artists as well, Beate Ross Smith, who's out of New York and Cosmo White, who is out of Atlanta, both contemporary artists, both brilliant in their own right. And we'll put hashtags underneath to be able to follow them and their work. Um, awesome. Now and into the future. Yeah, this is this is awesome, man. Oliver Franklin what? is our board member in Philadelphia, who is an OBE. Um, mm-hmm. Oliver brings a wealth of experience and knowledge about building organizations and sustaining them. So we to have uh, him as well on our board. And is, this is there just audio? A little okay. bit, yeah, it's just a little okay. bit of delay there. So I apologize about that. But um what uh, what any other special projects that you guys are working on? I know you talked a little bit about um, uh, the play that you guys are, are producing right now, but are are there anything? Is there anything else that you guys are working on or, or have in production right now? Yeah, so we're also doing our own production um, of a play about. Not sure if you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Yep, Elaine Leroy Locke who is the Dean of the Harlem Renaissance. And that play will be up in the spring of this year. And that's Elaine Leroy Locke, who is known as the Dean of the Harlem Renaissance. Okay. I had to, we, we had a small um, uh, echo there. So I had to kick, kick you uh, kick the other person out, but um, can you repeat that one more time for us? I'm sorry. Sure. Um, can you see me? Yes, I can see you. Okay. So uh, the play that we're producing this spring is by about Elaine Leroy Locke, who is known as the Dean of the Harlem Renaissance. The Harlem uh-huh. Renaissance was the movement in the 1920s, exactly a hundred years ago that celebrated artists, poets, musicians, on. We are an extension of the Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. We use art and culture and theater, poems and intellectual discourse and dialogue to put a path forward for Black people to see how brilliant we are and have been. And. Gregory, this is this is really good stuff, and I'm sorry for the the. It seems like our connection is going in so and out a little bit right that's now. That's what's uh, on deck for us, and a number of theater partnerships as well. Awesome, yeah, sir. We're, again, I apologize about the connection. Really I don't know what our progress again. Fifteen years. Um, Ooh, our our connect. I guess our connection is kind of a little funky. I, I'm we getting it's getting choppy a little bit, but. I just want to thank you for coming on the the podcast. Um, Can you let the the listeners know where they can follow you and learn more about your organization?
first thing I'll share is that, folks, do you see it for Choir Boy? I think you can see it uh, in Philadelphia. And also you can follow us. The Bronette on Twitter and on our Instagram is www.thebrothersnetwork.art. That's art, A-R-T. We're high touch, and so we also have a phone number. And you just uh, anywhere from anywhere in the world at 267-334-4897. Best way to be in touch with us. Website again is www.thebrothersnetwork.art. You can sign up for our editorials, be up to date about what we're doing uh, anywhere in the world. I just want to say thank you, Rodney, for the time and the attention that you had given the Brothers Network and to talk a little bit about the work that we're doing uh, now and into the future. Oh, man. Thank, thank you, you, sir, for being. Thank you. Thank you for being on this podcast. We really appreciate you. Uh, the Black Male Archives, where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black males, which you are one of. Thank you, sir, for being on there. I do apologize for the at the end of the, the uh, our conversation, the the, the internet. Um, but uh, any information that you have, I definitely will put it out there. We'll definitely have you back on this podcast. Hopefully, we can do something in person. You know, uh, I would really love that to come up there to Philly and you know, hang out and let's have a conversation. So again, thank you for being on the Black Male Archives podcast. Thank you, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.